So I just want to share something real quick before we actually start in the Word of God. I was hired here at Forest Lake Church 18 years ago. It's a long time. And when I showed up to this church, you want to guess how many kids I had in my high school ministry? I had eight. That's how many kids were in my high school ministry. So I'm standing down here today, and I looked out that door, and I saw two of the eight of those first high school students that I had when I first got here. So Jason and Leah, where are you at? I just want to wave to you again. There you are. So there they are. They're my first two that I corrupted in Jesus right there. So give them a hand for coming. I just love seeing you here. Sorry for embarrassing you, but uh, that's my job. I wouldn't be a good youth pastor if I didn't do that from time to time. So I want to ask you a question. You're going to be able to answer that um, amongst yourselves here in a second. But throughout your life, you are faced with all kinds of opportunities. Throughout your whole life. All sorts of different kinds of opportunities. Have you ever missed an opportunity? Think throughout your life. Have you ever missed an opportunity? Maybe it was an opportunity missed for a job. It was a job opportunity, and you missed out on that. Maybe it was an opportunity in a relationship. Maybe it was a missed opportunity to have a certain crucial conversation that you should have had with somebody, and you missed that opportunity. Some of you who are a little bit older, who have owned your own house, maybe you missed an opportunity to sell your house when the market was high. Or someone just, that was a painful laugh. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Or you, you tried to buy a house um, when the market was high. And that was a missed opportunity, right? Or timing. Maybe it was a missed opportunity for a certain cryptocurrency in recent months. Or maybe it was a missed opportunity at... Uh, a little store called GameStop uh, several months ago as well. I don't know what your missed opportunity is, but I want you to take 15 seconds each to the person in front of you, beside you, behind you, whoever you choose, and I want you to share with that individual just not the story, the backstory behind it, but just share with that individual one missed opportunity. You have 15 seconds each to share. Go ahead. One missed opportunity. Okay, you got about five seconds to finish up missed opportunities. 
I'm not sure if there will be counseling sessions after this or not, but we can have prayer over you if somebody's struggling through sharing that. One thing we do have in common are all of us have had missed opportunities. Let me ask you this. Have you ever seized an opportunity? Let's change gears here for a second. Have you ever seized an opportunity that the Holy Spirit put in front of you? Or did you miss it? As we begin to answer the question that we've been talking about since January, as we begin to answer the question of what is church? It's what we've been talking about. We're only in Acts chapter 3, and we're in May, if you can believe that. But as we answer the question, what is church, opportunities that the Holy Spirit puts in front of us has to be discussed. It was foundational to the Christian journey at the beginning. There were always Holy Spirit opportunities. And when the Holy Spirit gives you an opportunity, it takes a radical act of faith to step into it. And there really are three outcomes of a Holy Spirit opportunity. One of those is you recognize it and you step into it by faith. The second outcome is you ignore it. The third outcome of a Holy Spirit opportunity is you're oblivious to it. There's not any other options. And if there is one thing that I want you to walk away from today, is it's going to be a sentence that I hope is tattooed to your brain by the time, and you're so annoyed because I'm going to repeat this over and over and over again. But it is this sentence. A radical act of faith is the platform of the church to share the gospel. A radical act of faith, that's a Holy Spirit opportunity, and you step into it. A radical act of faith is the platform of the church to share the gospel. Say that with me. A radical is the to share the very good. We're going to start in Acts chapter 3. And you're going to see a radical act of faith. And then you're going to see a platform emerge. And then you're going to hear the gospel told. Okay? So Acts chapter 3, if you have your digital Bibles, feel free to follow along and highlight. But here's what I want to say about Acts chapter 3. We will not cover the whole thing in its entirety. So to prepare for Acts chapter 4, which is next week, I would love for you guys to spend time this week in Acts chapter 3. It's incredible. So we begin with the first two characters of this story, and it's Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It was about three in the afternoon. Here's the third character. Now, a man who was lame from birth, he was born with a disability. What kind of disability? One that he had to be carried. So he was born with a disability. There was no wheelchairs of the time. 
but he had to rely on people to carry him. Where did they carry him? They carried him to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put how often? Every day. Every day, he relied on a group of people to pick him up, walk him to the temple, place him there at the temple gates to do what? Where he was placed there every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. He couldn't work in his family's business if they had a business. He couldn't go out and ask for a job. So the only choice he had was to beg. Not a bad place to be placed because when people worship and they've prayed at the temple, they walk out, they're feeling a little bit more generous. You have any spare change? Any spare change? Every day he did this so he was recognizable. People knew who he was because he had been there every single day. They may have not known his name, but we know him as the man who was lame from birth and who had to be carried everywhere. That's, we will not know his name in this story. And then verse 3 continues. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. That phrase got me a little curious. So I went to my little nerdy Greek lexicon. I was like, what does that phrase mean? He looked straight at him. Because that's not normal. What, it, what does that mean? That's an interesting phrase in Scripture. That Peter and John looked straight at him. So I looked that up, and here's the actual phrasing. It's very long. It says this, Peter looked at him. They fastened their eyes on him. Literal translation. And then the meaning behind the literal translation is this. With the intent to know who he was. Whew. In other words, they stared into his soul. I don't know about you, but when I'm sitting at a stoplight and I'm turning left, and there's a guy that walks past my car with a little cardboard sign, just confessing what I do, okay? Don't everybody do what I do. But when they look, into my car, I do not gaze into their soul. I somehow find that the air conditioning knobs become very interesting. And I look down at those air conditioning knobs. I pick up my phone and all of a sudden become interested in nothing that's there. Or I pretend I'm on a phone call. Or if I'm sitting with somebody, we get into a really engaging conversation all of a sudden. But I do not stare into his soul as he walks by. Peter did. With the intent to know who he was, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Apparently the guy was not looking into their eyes. Because Peter looked at him and said, look at us. Look into our eyes. Look at us. We want to know who you are. 
And they gazed into his eyes. And so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something in return. And what he was expecting was not what he really received. Because in verse 6, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I have, I give to you. I don't have any loose change. I can't give you anything else. Silver and gold, I do not have. But I have gazed into your soul and there's something more that you need. And Peter says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Holy Spirit opportunity. Peter and John stepped into a radical act of faith. Stand up. Walk. Verse 7. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Strength flowed into his body. His lower extremities could now bear his weight. In verse 8, he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, not only walking, he was showing off, and jumping. Walking and jumping and praising God. A radical act of faith is the platform of the church to share the gospel. In verse 9, here comes the group of people, which is, I would say, the fourth character. Characters. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, what did they do? They recognized him, verse 10, recognized him. Why could they recognize him? Because he had been at the temple every day, carried there every day. People flooded the area and said, we know this guy. How is he doing this? They recognized him as the same who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And listen, listen to these descriptive words. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. A radical act of faith, the response from outsiders is wonder and amazement. A radical act of faith causes wonder and amazement. See, the body of Christ collectively, we're the church. Shouldn't outsiders look at the church in wonder and amazement? Yes? No? Because if we're not stepping into radical acts of faith as a part of our faith journey, where is the wonder and amazement going to come from? It's a personal challenge for me. It's a corporate challenge for us. It's an individual challenge because you're part of the body of Christ, right? A radical act of faith is the platform of the church to share the gospel.
While the man held on to Peter and John, I love that visual. <laughs> Here are the guys who stepped into a radical act of faith and in the name of Jesus told them to walk, and he's hanging on to them. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people, here's another descriptive word, were astonished. And they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. They've entered into the temple now, no longer on the outskirts. When Peter saw this, he saw another opportunity. He says, fellow Israelites, now you know who your audience is. Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? Don't stare at us. It wasn't us. It was Jesus. Peter immediately seized the opportunity the Holy Spirit put in front of him. And then he began to share the gospel to the multitude. Now, I don't know if I would start out a sermon the way that Peter started out a sermon, but this is how he started out the sermon. With extreme boldness, by the way, Peter immediately reminded the Jews of what they had done to Jesus. Verse 15, start of the sermon. Okay, there's no introduction, the start of a sermon. You killed the author of life. That's a way to win the audience, right? You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. We. That meant all of them because they all knew it. They all knew it. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man, whom you see and know, because he's been here every single day, whom you see and know, who you recognize, was made strong. And then this is who he's given it credit to. It is Jesus' name. And the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can see here now. See, he, he rebuked the entire crowd of being guilty of the murder of Jesus. And then he reemphasized the fact that we're not going to take credit for this. And there's a reason why. Because if they accepted this miracle which they could see and verify with their own eyes, it meant that they were also acknowledging that faith in Jesus had healed the man. Peter trapped him with faith. You can't avoid it. He's right here. It wasn't us. It's him. Imagine the mental gymnastics. The Pharisees and the Sadducees all of a sudden had to figure out how do we deal with this one. See, then Peter hit them with the core message, one of the core pillar messages of the gospel. Remember, a radical act of faith is the platform of the church to share the gospel. And Peter is about to share a foundational core of the gospel right here in a sentence. In verse 9, he appeals, he appeals to his fellow Israelites, appeals to them, repent, Repent then. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. 
that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Peter made it clear to the crowd of listeners that repentance from sin and faith in Christ was the primary need for their lives. It was the core of their gospel message. It reminded the people of what John the Baptist was preaching. Because John the Baptist started, repent! Peter continued the same preaching, repent. Turn to God. Your sins will be erased. Times of refreshing will come. If you're miserable in sin right now, guys, this is, this is going to sound so harsh, and I don't want it to sound harsh. If you're miserable in sins right now, and whatever sin you're miserable in, if you're ashamed, it's your own fault. Jesus has this incredible, Incredible power to not only erase that sin from your life or sins, plural, but to restore you and make you whole again. You are believing a lie. If you are miserable and ashamed of your life and your past, you are listening to a lie from Satan himself. Because with that little phrasing, that, that whole idea of times of refreshing may come, God wants to wash you clean. Sadly, though, the, the nation of Israel did not repent. They were stubborn. They've been stubborn since the beginning. They were stubborn here, too. And as a result, the gospel message became available to the Samaritans, which will be in Acts chapter 8, and then later the Gentiles, which is in Acts chapter 10. And it opened up the whole world to the gospel message. See, Peter would not have had the opportunity to share the gospel to the Jews at the temple unless a radical act of faith was taken. A crowd had gathered as a result of a radical act of faith. Because a radical act of faith is the platform of the church to share the gospel. However, there are consequences to that. When you take a radical act of faith, a step into a radical act of faith, that's the platform, right? That's what it's designed for. That's the platform for you to share the gospel story of the God that is in your life, the God that has restored you, and to give that hope to someone else. It's the platform. But there are consequences. You'll see this in Peter. When Pastor Juan gets up here and preaches next week, you will see as a result of this sermon that Peter preached, he's thrown in prison. Jesus never said, if you stand up for me, there won't be consequences and you'll be happy. That is not a biblical thing. If you stand up for God and you step out into a radical act of faith, your whole world blows up. And that's not a bad thing. Because that, what that does, it 
perpetuate something inside of you where, oh my goodness, I have to depend 100% on God now. It is a stepping out of the boat scenario when you take a radical act of faith. So let me ask you a couple of questions to ponder. Have you ever missed a Holy Spirit opportunity? God puts opportunities in front of us every single day. Are you paying attention? It may start with a single conversation. It may start with walking away from a lucrative career. Some of Jesus' disciples walked away. Maybe it's stepping into a certain relationship with somebody. Maybe it's stepping away from a relationship with somebody. Maybe it's forgiving an individual that did something to you personally 10, 15, 20 years ago or yesterday. <laughs> Maybe it's sacrificing something big in your life. Each is fearlessly stepping into a radical act of faith, but you have to step. Jesus doesn't pick you up and throw you out of the boat. That was an older brother that did that. Such go swim. But Jesus says, come on out. Come on out. It's your choice to step into a radical act of faith. What radical act of faith is the Holy Spirit stirring in your life right now that you need to step into right now? What's stirring in your heart right now? of a radical act of faith that you've either been ignoring or oblivious to. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now in these seats. And there is something percolating in your mind right now of something that you need to step into. A radical, and it will take a radical act of faith to do that. Because it is your platform. It is your platform because you're part of the church to share the gospel. Are you ready to step into a radical act of faith? Because it is the platform of the church to share the gospel. So I struggled with this, sharing this story, because whenever you share really intense stories, um, it just gets weird sometimes. And this is the first time I've shared this story publicly. And... Um, and I want to share this with you. So there's a young lady by the name of Emily. And um, I called Emily up two weeks ago. I hadn't seen her for almost two years. And I asked Emily, I said, Emily, would you mind sharing your story? Um, the first Sabbath of May. Oh, I'd love to, Pastor Mark. And so she just texted me this week, and she says, I have a calendar conflict, but you have permission to share this story. <laughs> Whatever you need, just share it, because I want people to know. So these are her words that I pulled off of her blog. And I want to share that with you. She says, my sophomore year of high school, 
I started experiencing a debilitating pain in my right hip, which spread to my wrists, shoulders, knees, ankles, and neck, etc. Everything hurt. We were going to doctors on a weekly basis and still weren't receiving any answer. Aside from, it's in your head. She feels pain, others don't. To lectures about how the pain seems real to me, but really isn't real. I felt trapped in pain, but more trapped in hopelessness. Two misdiagnoses later, a permanent shoulder dislocation, and eight appointments at Mayo Clinic later, it was suspected that I had EDS, a genetic connective tissue disorder that meant that my body wasn't holding itself together anymore. However, my doctors knew of no treatments and stopped seeing me altogether. Over this period of time, my legs started to become weaker and weaker. And what went from just pain-related issues while walking quickly turned into an absolute inability for me to stand or walk at all. I developed a tremor in my hand which spread to both arms and legs. Every time I moved my arms and legs a certain way, I would shake so bad that I felt like I was experiencing severe airplane turbulence. I had officially received two diagnoses, EDS and Hashimoto's, discovered in my second hospitalization. I barely recognized myself anymore. I don't know what student of mine invited her, but she was invited to come share this very story into Against the Current, which is a Friday night worship event for high schoolers. And she rolled in on a wheelchair. And we set her up in front and kids were sitting on the ground all around her and gave her a mic and she just started sharing. She shared everything that I just read to you. I'm going to share with you something that I've struggled sharing publicly. Because I had a faith crisis. And I felt the Holy Spirit nudging me. When you get up, I want you to pray over her for healing. said, no way. I'm not going to do that. started arguing with God in my head. You know how many times I've had a kid come up to me and ask me, could you pray for my parents not to get a divorce? And they got a divorce? Could you pray for my parent who has cancer? Parent dies of cancer. Lord, this will throw off every kid in this room. This will put them in a faith crisis if she wheels out of here and she doesn't stand up and walk. And the Holy Spirit basically said, are you chicken? Yes, I am. 
she ended her story and I stood up and I was closing the meeting and I'm not sure how it happened you guys are thinking I'm hokey pokey weird now because it was all I can describe it was this weird outer body deal where my lips were moving and in my head I'm like I'm not talking this is weird and I prayed Actually, I told everybody, I told these, there were 7th and 8th graders, ninth through 12th graders, and I said, we are going to pray over Emily. We are going to lay hands on her like the Bible tells us to lay hands on those that are sick. And we are going to pray over this young lady. And we are going to pray in the name of Jesus that she is healed. And I watched all these little seventh and eighth graders get up and there's some that were putting their hands or kneeling on her wheelchair putting her hands their hands on her feet and ankles and knee people putting their hands on shoulder and and, and uh, arms head and I remember before I closed my eyes there's always there's always one kid there's always one kid in youth ministry you know that's just weird one kid, there's always one. And I remember before I shut my eyes, one kid took his fingers and, and put his hands on her fingers and held her ear. I'm like, what's wrong with this kid? You know, what's, she's not deaf. You know, it's always one kid. And I just, that was just a visual right before, and I think it was just the Holy Spirit's sense of humor, you know? So this one kid grabs her ear. We all started praying. You guys, listen, I don't know if you've ever prayed with, with junior high kids. Or high school kids? I mean, have you? Adults, have you? I mean, there is power. There's so much power behind listening to children pray for, for somebody that can't walk. And here, I, I, I'm sitting in my head still having a faith crisis of, Lord, what if nothing happens? I mean, the, the Holy Spirit just, just rebuked me. said, it's not up to you for something to happen or not to happen. I just asked you to be obedient and you stepped into it. She wheeled out of the youth center that day. And in fact, we got a phone call and things got worse for Emily. And there was a group of people that were really touched by that prayer service. And we were all texting each other, saying, we're going to continue to pray. Kids, high school kids, we're going to continue to pray, Pastor Mark. We believe something's going to happen. We're just going to keep on praying. And that following that Monday, um, Gable Patterson used to run a prayer ministry for me. And if you've ever prayed with Gable... I mean, it's just a crazy spiritual experience. And uh, we've had some crazy prayer time, Gable and I. And I remember in the Upper Youth Center, we were praying for Emily that following Monday. And Emily was in the hospital for a couple of days and in excruciating pain. She came home after she got back from the hospital and she said that something was different 
something was changing, something was different in her, in her spirit, in her heart. And she had what, what you would call, you know, remember the movie War Room? She said she had a war wall in her room. And she had one wall that was a war wall that she had started when all this started happening to her physically. She says, I woke up, this is her words, I woke up seeing Hebrews 6.15 on my war wall. I had woken up to it ever since I started this whole thing in the first place. But it took me until that moment to realize what it really meant and what it meant for me. Hebrews 6.15 says, "And, And so it was that she, after having waited and endured patiently, realized and obtained what God had promised her. She says, I had waited. I'd endured. And I knew that Jesus was going to do something that day. She went to school that day in, in a wheelchair. She came home that day. Her mom drove her home and the wheelchair was in the trunk. And as she waited there, she says this, as soon as we got home, rather than transforming, transferring into my chair, I felt in my spirit to pick up my mat and walk. So I did. And I haven't stopped. I have had zero signs of tremors, weakness, or difficulty walking. Emily was in a class that I teach over at Advent Health University. And she was one of the most inspiring students as she shared her stories to all the other students. Called her two weeks ago. I found her on Facebook, messaged her. This is Pastor Mark. Call me. She called me that afternoon. Emily, what's going on? Hi, Pastor Mark. I just finished my clinicals. She was doing clinicals over at Advent Health Apopka. Sharing parts of her story with patients. Her experience there. And she started a job, or will start a job, this week as a walking nurse. Walking to all of her patients at Advent Health Apopka. Literally stepping into a radical act of faith. She now has a platform to every single one of her patients to share the power of God. She literally is extending the healing ministry of Jesus to her patients through what she experienced through the healing ministry of Jesus because of a radical act of faith. Crazy, right? I wish Emily was here so you could see her smile. (laughs) So you could hear that story. Are you ready to step into a radical act of faith? 
It is the platform of the church to share the gospel. I'm going to step into a radical act of faith right now because this gets weird sometimes. There are so many stories represented in this room. And I know that right now there's some of you who need super supernatural healing in your life. You need a miracle. And I don't know what the miracle is. It's not me to judge or wonder. It's all up to God. Emily didn't stand up and walk immediately. And I don't know the why behind that. I don't. But she eventually did. Others don't. And I don't know the why behind that either. It's complicated. Which is what makes this complicated. Because we're scared, timid, to just say, hey, it's time to just step into a radical act of faith. There are people in this room, you may not be a pastor, you may not be an elder, but you love Jesus, you believe in Jesus, you have faith in Jesus. And if you're one of those, I need you as a volunteer today, right now, to pray for someone. And so if now if you've got little butterflies in your tummy, it's like, is he talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. So Holy Spirit's making you nervous. That's a good thing because you have to step out. So I'm going to ask those people who love Jesus, are courageous enough to stand up, come to the front, because I'm going to ask people to come and receive prayer in the name of Jesus. During this last song, if you need any kind of prayer in your heart, in your life, if you need any type of healing, Times of refreshing are coming. And so I just call on you during this song. If God puts something in your heart saying, I'm going to, I need prayer. I've been praying for this for a long time. I need healing. I need a miracle. I'm going to ask you to step into a radical act of faith. Come forward. All these people are stepping into a radical act of faith. They have no clue what you're going to bring them, but come to somebody and be prayed for. Father God, in the name of Jesus now, we pray that your spirit will break out in this room. We pray for, for Lord, that you will invade the hearts, that you will cast out the lies and that you will break down the walls and that you will tear apart the chains so that those who want to live free and have a time of refreshing in the name of Jesus will come forward and be prayed for. We pray this in the name of Jesus.